good morning, Monstropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking below! What can I say? The camera loves me. Charlie, after you, Junior. Man, that intro just gets me hyped. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Logged In. I'm your host, Caleb Boatman. And today we're talking horror protagonists, and we've got some scary panelists here to help us out. Um, most of these people like these movies more than I do, which is a good thing. John, you are here. How are you doing today? I'm feeling great. You know, whenever a horror topic comes up, I try to get on the panel. So here I am, uh, you know, uh, and I'm wearing my shirt and everything. So that's great. Very good. Uh, somebody who hasn't been on in since last year, I don't think. I think this is your first log of the year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Aaron? Yeah, I think I think so. I'm on a lot of, lot of YLS, but not as many yeah. logs. No, Cody, Cody's been stealing you away from us. Me and Cody were besties, as everybody knows now. So, um, you know, that's not even like shocking news anymore. I've got a lot of horror antagonists to talk about tonight, as everybody does. Oh, protagonists. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if you, if you can make an argument, you know, the, the nightmare movies really are Freddy Journey. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it funny. Coho did put Freddy Krueger in the thumbnail and Michael Myers in the thumbnail. I don't think Coho knows what a protagonist is. That's okay. Dean, you're here. Hi. Hey, Caleb. How's it going? Happy to be back. Uh, I've been on once before on Logged It. Had a great time. So uh, this time I get to talk about horror. Um, love horror. So uh, uh, really happy to be here. I'm happy. I'm happy to have you back, Dean. I really liked having you in one episode, and then it was like, "Oh, can we get him back on?" And now we got him back on. So, it's yeah. and then Payson, you're uh, all. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm doing great, Aaron. Uh, you're in Cody's uh, friendship. It weirdly reminds me of that one episode of Oz, where no, I'm kidding. I've never actually seen Oz. Yeah, but, Adam BC and Saeed. Totally. <laughs> It's actually very accurate. Even more sure. than you realize. Okay, then. Well, anyway, we're just going to get started with your favorite movie along this week. Uh, Aaron, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, so one thing about me is uh, I haven't played trivia over here in a while, but that's totally fine. Um, when I do play trivia, I don't hide on my log bit. Log, or letter letterbox so you can tell i am currently watching my favorite director david cronenberg so i'm not going to say a david cronenberg movie because that's kind of cheap like it would be dead ringers because that's my favorite cronenberg movie so um not going to go with that i'm going to go with a newer movie that i really felt bad i missed in theaters i knew i was going to love as soon as i saw it um and i wish i saw it in theaters but still was great it's inside willem defoe's one-man show uh i mean it's it is a artsy fartsy isolation movie and i am totally fine with that um like a little under two hours and very ambiguous and uh it's very slow at times they don't give you a lot of answers and that's totally fine and i mean it's just a it willem dafoe's made to do these types of performances and i mean it's got kind of 
a lot of uh, a lot of like kind of uh, themes about art I was not expecting because he's a failed artist who's an art thief. So that like is like a huge part of the movie that I wasn't expecting. And uh, yeah, I mean, Willem Dafoe going crazy is a great genre. So there. Um, for everybody, definitely not for everybody. But like, if you watch this trailer and you're like, I would like to see that. I don't know how you wouldn't enjoy this, but maybe. And yeah, uh, inside joke. <laughs> Who here had a chance to see this one? Just Payson. That's what I figured. Payson, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I actually reviewed this movie for uh, Cinemasters Reviews, and I really, really liked it, and I know I was kind of in the minority, but I think it, th this movie is all on Willem Dafoe's shoulders. Like, if, if, if you get a lesser actor in this, it really falls apart, but I think because he is so good, and just he's really captivating as, as you watch him just slowly go insane... I think that's really what helps this movie as much as it does. Um, it weirdly felt a little bit like a like a like a Lucas Arts game in a way, where like, oh, he needs to get like ice. So what does he do? He goes and he goes and gets a bucket and fills it up with the water from the garden and then puts it in the freeze. Like I I really enjoyed those sort of aspects. Like like it felt like I'm watching like a puzzle video game. Uh, the one element I wasn't like the biggest fan of um, was there's this weird subplot where like. Uh, he has, like, security cameras that he's watching, and he, like, slowly starts to fall in love with one of the housemaids, and you think it's going to go somewhere, but it kind of really doesn't. But, yeah, I, I really enjoy it inside. Okay. I didn't really expect the puzzle game thing. That's it actually does make a lot of sense. I can, I, It makes a lot of sense. I, I agree with Fair. that. Cool. That is neat. John, we will go over to you. What is your favorite movie log this week? Well, I'm on a uh, personal journey to go through the first 12 pages of Letterboxd horror movies and watch every movie I haven't seen. So I, I'm very early in the journey. So obviously this is a movie that a lot of people like, but I just have never seen or have seen clips of but never watched it all the way through. And it's an American Werewolf in London. So um, I, I knew I was going to love it. First of all, so ahead of its time. Like the creature effects in this movie are freaking, I, I have no idea how they pulled this off in 1981. And, you know, it's got Uncle Nicky from This Is Us, Griffin Dunn, American Treasure. You know, he's great in it as a slowly uh, slowly deteriorating hallucination. And um, I don't know. I, I can't say enough great things about American World of London. I think, all the, I think it's got just enough comedy. It's got just enough action. It's got just enough horror. It's everything mixed up. And it's, you know, one of the probably one of the greater classics that you're one of the great modern classics in horror. Yeah, I dig the heck out of this one. I know... I'm not considered one of the horror guys, but this is this is one I really freaking enjoy. Like this is this, this is like just perfect blend, like just like horror enough that it counts as horror, but not too much to where like I mean there are some grisly scenes, but I think it's doused with enough humor and I think interesting and likable characters that it works. Uh also just some great meal drops in this one. Aaron every, every song with the word moon in it. Appears in this movie. Yes. Uh, Aaron, thoughts on uh, an American Werewolf in London? I remember when American Werewolf in Paris came out, and I went to see that because it had uh, the guy from Big Man on Campus or Dead Man on Campus in it. And so I was like, I went back and watched this one. This one's much better. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, however, so I'd be interested to go because I do feel like I was pretty scared when I saw this. Um, like, I laughed at parts for sure, but I think it's a it's like a lot of times you get horror comedies and I think they're as like a horror person, I think they're just comedies. 
And this is like it does have some pretty horrific like themes, especially with like the discussions with the best friend. And it doesn't make any sense how John hadn't seen this movie yet. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, Dean. Uh, yeah, I actually like John. I, I just saw this movie for the first time uh, just a few months ago. And I'm also a big horror fan, just one I never got around to. Uh, oh, man, I loved it. I loved it so much. It's one of those movies that's just like clicking as soon as it starts. You know, it's just as soon as that thing's going, I'm like, oh, I'm going to love this movie. I know I'm going to love this movie. Um, I just love the there's like this just friendship comedy going on. This is like a buddy movie. And then, you know, you have a moment where you think it's not going to be a buddy movie. And then it still is a buddy movie after that. So I just I, I loved it. It's every all the effects, you know, are, are, are just incredible. And uh, yeah, every turn that it's taking, I'm just along for the ride. Uh, absolutely love this movie. That's fair. And Payson. I, yeah, just like everyone, I love this movie with all my heart. Uh, I watched this last year because uh, Bill made me watch it because he put 80s horror on uh on, a, on the wheel and this is just one of the ones i decided to watch yeah the the creature effects are incredible i i think the practical effects still hold up but correct me if i'm wrong this is the reason why the best makeup oscar exists right like was well this... i I, yeah. I think you can argue the elephant man is the reason why the category exists because that movie the category was not around when that movie came out and then this came out and then that was, this was the first one to win it competitively. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, this, this movie, I, I, I think the comedy effects work really well. Like the climax in the movie theater, I think is just a ton of fun. And yeah, Griffin Dunn in the eighties, just an American werewolf in London after hours. Who's that girl? All bangers. All Let's go. <laughs> one of those things is not like the other. <laughs> awful awful movie don't watch who's that girl it's bad <laughs> anyway anyway uh we're gonna go over to me uh my favorite movie i logged this week the movie i watched last night and i'm going with 1939's the women uh this is a movie that i actually knew very little about the actual plot i just knew uh that it had some big names in it, and that it is all women. Like, the entire cast is all women, which, for the time, is kind of a big deal. Um, you know, especially when there weren't... You you watch a lot of, like, the 30s movies, and, like, there's love interest and mom, and those are the two roles that women get. Uh, but in this, this, you get a lot of very... There's, this movie, like, has some dramatic elements, but it's very much, like, fits into the screwball tone of, like, the fast talking. And that's where Rosalind Russell, who you'll probably know from His Girl Friday, absolutely steals this movie. She plays the best friend of the main character, and she is hilarious. Uh, Joan Crawford plays uh, the woman who steals the main character's husband, and it is Joan Crawford at her most bitchy like it is she is phenomenal there's a line in this movie that i love which is there's a word for you ladies but it can't be used in polite conversation it belongs to the dog pound like <laughs> great quote uh and there's a lot of other big names i didn't even mention the lead who is norma Shearer. she's really good overall this is a really fun time 
even though the subject matter isn't necessarily fun, it's kind of an interesting, like, comedic take on this. I really enjoyed it. Uh, has anyone here ever seen this? I've not, but it sounds really good. Fair. Okay, well, we will move on then and go over to Dean. Uh, so this week, uh, I happened to watch my favorite movie ever, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to say that one also because it might appear later in the show. Um, but uh, what I did watch was the children's hour. And that's what I'm picking for my favorite movie that I watched this week. Um, yes, just a incredible, incredible movie. Um, one of those movies that uh, it kind of like, this is the type that starts and I'm into it. I'm like, I'm interested in it, but as it goes along, the star meter is just getting more and more filled. You know, it's just like, and then by the time we get to the end, it's like, I have no choice. It's five stars. Like, it's just, it, it's one that keeps surprising me as it goes, especially for a movie in the 60s. Um, Audrey Hepburn and Shirley MacLaine, just like excellent in the movie. So good. And um, just, a, you know, a, a progressive movie and a movie that I can really feel like I'm I'm one of the characters in the movie. Like, I, they, they just do a, such a good job of, of of conveying like what the situation they're going through. I don't want to give too much away about the movie because it's, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just so excellent as it sort of keeps going down uh, the path. But um, yeah, it's just, I, I can, I can really get pulled in and feel like I know what the characters are going through um, and I haven't gone through it. So they're really, they're really showing it to me. You know, they're really um, just acting, acting it out. So um, just a fantastic movie that, that I loved this week. Oh uh, yeah, this is one of those ones that uh, I've never seen. Uh, so I, but I want to. Um, John, have you? I'm, I'm sure you've seen this one. I have seen this actually. When people when people talk about Audrey Hepburn, this is the movie I recommend. I'm like, you need to. Have you seen the Children's Hour? Most people say no, and I say I recommend it. Usually, I don't think about hitting kids besides my kids, but I wanted to hit the little girl in this movie every time she was on the screen. That, so I'm going to say that performance is fantastic. Just to, just by how angry you will be watching this movie. That's fair. Aaron? Yeah, I. this is like my favorite Audrey Hepburn movie, actually. I know there's probably better ones and everything, but for me, like, the uh, unfortunate how, like, modern the story feels, like, is, like, very, very fascinating yeah. with many, many older movies. I think it's, like, one of the main reasons people should go back and watch the classics, because history does repeat itself over and over, and everybody's like, it's ahead of its time. No, it was at its time, and we're still at that time in a lot of ways. And I thought of this movie a ton as I watched Atonement to that too. Just, I mean, it was like hand in yeah. hand, like move, if you're doing a movie ladder, you'd watch this. You should watch this immediately after Atonement it would make a lot of sense to me. So yeah, yeah. great, great movie. That's fair. Payson? Yeah, they both have two kids. I wish I could sick Bob Barker on, just have him just go to town like boom, boom, boom. But uh, no, I, I think this is a great movie. I, I watched it earlier this year. Yeah, I think both Hepburn and McLean are excellent in the movie, specifically Shirley McLean's character. Like, I think she definitely has the more, like, tragic arc throughout the movie when you start to learn more of the truth behind her character and the lie that is told about these two people and the fact that at the end of the day, this lie, one, one, the fact that it is a total lie, so it sucks that it's happening to these people. And two, if we're being honest, like, even if it was true, it shouldn't matter. Like, at the end of the day, like, I think that's what the movie is really trying to get at. And I think it handles it in a very adult way. Yeah, um, I'm personally of the camp of, I, Catherine Hepburn is the superior Hepburn, but Audrey Hepburn is still great. And I think this is one of the great movies in her filmography. That is valid. 
Uh, well, we will stick with you. What is your favorite movie you logged this week? Yeah, I usually don't like to go with rewatches, but I rewatched one of my favorite movies of all time uh, for the first time in the theater. So I really just want to talk. I don't think I've ever talked about it in the show. Uh, Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind. Uh, it's my favorite movie of the 21st century. It's my favorite romance film of all time. I think what this movie has to say about, in case anyone doesn't know about it, uh, you're following these two people at the end of this relationship. Uh, one of them doesn't seem to remember the other, and it turns out it's because there's this company that allows you to um, essentially get your memory erased of specific people. And uh, the guy played by Joel, by Jim Carrey, uh, his girlfriend was played by Kate Winslet. She doesn't remember him. Jim Carrey's like, okay, well, screw this. I'm going to have this procedure done because I don't want to remember her. And the whole movie takes place inside of his mind, and it's about him slowly starting to realize that maybe he doesn't want to forget everything. And I think what this movie has to say about relationships, what this movie has to say about love, I think is incredible. Um, it's one of my favorite like screenplays of all time. I think it's one of the most deserving original screenplay winners of all uh, like ever. Um, the editing, just watching inside of his mind and just slowly like as Clementine just disappears from certain shots and just them running to like the, the the scene where they're in the train where they're like in the train station and they're just trying to avoid the light because it symbolizes um Mark Ruffalo and Elijah Wood like up in the computer like editing them out I think is incredible and I've gone back and forth about what the ending of the movie really says and regardless of whether or not you think it has like a positive like view on love I think that the main thing the movie is trying to say is you should not um the, the good memories you have in a relationship are worth remembering at the end of the day and those are value to be cherished regardless of whether you think the movie is saying that clementine or joel are right for each other and that that is what the movie is getting at so it, it's one of my favorite movies of all time i could go on and on but yeah i i adore this movie with every heart and seeing it on the big screen was incredible that is fair well, uh, now, oh, yeah, I talked about the movie. I had a drink for a second. Uh, yeah, no, uh, brilliant film. Uh, Kate Winslet is one of my favorite in this. Like, she's so good. Jim Carrey's, of course, really great as well. Um, and some of the visuals in this movie, even though not technically visual effects, just optical illusions for the most part, are so like unique and interesting and just the way the mind is portrayed is really fascinating. Uh, John, thoughts on Eternal Sunshine? You guys said most of it. I mean, yeah, you're right. A lot of the shots, like like Michelle Gondry, is definitely a visionary with, with that because you see that in the other movies, like Science of Sleep is kind of the same way a little bit, not so much as Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Mind, but I, I always have a blast when I watch this movie. It's one of the few DVDs I haven't you know given away, so I still have it. I just don't have a DVD player to play it in. But the fact that I still retain the DVD says all you need to know about how much of a fan name of the movie. I I have a quick fun fact about the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind DVD. Because on the cover of the DVD, there is a quote that says, smart, sexy, and a seriously funny comedy. Which is not accurate to the movie. The funny thing is, that exact quote from that reviewer is also on the 500 Days of Summer DVD. And that quote is actually in that person's review. The Eternal Sunshine is not in that, is, like that is not in the Eternal Sunshine review. So that is just a complete misprint that they meant to put on the 500 Days of Summer DVD. But it was 
said put on the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind DVD. Which is even weirder because Eternal Sunshine came out like five years before, 500 years Yeah, I don't know if maybe the DVDs were just released around, like this DVD was released around the same time. I don't know, like there was a reissue. I have no idea, but that's really weird. Anyway, Aaron, thoughts on this movie? That's a very weird uh, DVD story. Um, yeah, no, this movie is amazing. Um, it's just uh, it's a great one to go back to at different times in your life, like many of the best movies are. Um, so, you know, I yeah, it, it's just an interesting movie, whether it's like you've gone to it after a relationship's over or when a new relationship's beginning. Uh, it's going to hit you at different ways. And uh, at the end of the day, it is like the importance of memory and like pain and hanging on to that and not um, putting it, you know, up the blinders, I think is a big theme of the movie as well as, and yeah, Michelle Gondry, just amazing. That and B. Gondry Wind are just two of the, my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean? Yeah. I mean, everyone's, everyone said it. Uh, absolutely wonderful movie. Um, Got to keep visiting it as you as you get older because it's going to mean something different uh to you um as someone who's had a lot of uh a lot of the big the big breakups it just hits me every time watching this movie um you want to you want to erase them but uh, you shouldn't you shouldn't erase everything about them uh it's your life right so it's uh you gotta you gotta just live it from here on out and uh keep those memories so it's uh it's a wonderful movie i i love it Fair enough. Well, now we go to the other side of the coin. Your least favorite movie you logged this week. Aaron, we will start with you again. Real quick, Little Fish. If you like Eternal Sunshine of the Spider's Mind, see Little Fish, please. Like, it's the hidden COVID gem that no one's seen. If you like Eternal Sunshine, you will love Little Fish. It's amazing. Um, Worst movie I watched this week. Uh, I hate movies where I forget them once they're over. I hate when there's like nothing that wasn't like just nothing really kind of happens. And in a movie where it's Adam Driver against dinosaurs, that should not be the case. It is 65. It is the like just like that's what I expected and nothing more. Absolutely nothing more. It was a two star movie all the way. I try not to watch movies I'm going to hate. Like and uh, I thought I was going to find something to like in this one. And I mean, I watch trailers after movies. So I did not watch the trailer before the movie. But after the movie, if you've seen the trailer, it's what the movie is um, completely. Uh, And it's just like not very good CGI, but not so bad. It's enjoyable to see bad. Like they were kind of trying, but they weren't trying. And then it's just like Adam Driver, you know, just showed up for a paycheck. I don't know. It just it was it was at this point, I feel like people are like, well, yeah, 65 sucks. But like when it was announced a few months ago and I heard about it, I was excited about this. And then like as it came out, it's like, oh, don't, we don't have to get excited about this. Never mind. And now like I've seen it with the hype down. So I was like hoping to like exceed the little hype I had, which was not much. I was like, maybe it will be like, you know, a net where everybody hated on they're wrong. But no, 65 sucks. It's fair. I didn't see it because I heard it sucked. Uh, John, you didn't see it? Didn't see it, no. Dean, did you see it? I did not see it, but I agree that Annette rules. There you go. I didn't see that either. Payson? (laughs) I did see it. Uh, Yeah, what Aaron just said, uh, this is a movie where it's essentially Adam Driver fighting and getting hunted down by dinosaurs. 
And the fact that this movie is boring and not fun should say everything you need to say. Like, I think this movie just has like a tone of just trying to take itself way too seriously. Um, there's there's a point where like you learn at the beginning of the movie, like Adam Driver is like has been separated from his family for like years, and then on on Earth, essentially, he meets like a young girl who becomes his daughter figure, and they go through like a perilous journey together. It's it's ninety minutes, so I can give the movie that. But I think Aaron was right. Like, I'm I'm struggling to remember even things like about the plot like this, this far out and yeah bad movie fair uh well uh now if, we'll if you like all this about new movies Payson and i will be talking about bo's afraid this monday night yeah. on the video store so if you want to hear us talk about more new movies see you monday night at 8 p.m eastern <laughs> uh john we're gonna go over to you what is your least favorite movie you love this week i'm terrified yeah. No, uh, this isn't as bad as like any other normal. You know, this week, like I said, I've been going through the highest rated movies on, on Letterboxd. So honestly, the movie that I like the least isn't even a movie I didn't like. It's just a movie that I happen to like the least. Uh, and the movie I like the least is The House, uh, which was a Netflix released movie uh, in 2021. It's a stop motion animated horror movie. And I really think, I mean, it was just okay. Like it was okay. And I think my personal reason why it was just okay to me is I watched Mad God a few months ago. And like, if you're going to talk about stop motion animated horror, like I am spoiled rotten by Mad God. Mad God was incredible. The house was cute. It was, it was, if you like fantastic Mr. Fox and you don't like horror boat, you should watch the house because I guarantee you will love it. This is, this is a movie you can watch with your parents, with your girlfriend, put on the house. Uh, Cause it's about a house and then people live in the house, and then mice live in the house, and then cats live in the house, and they have little fun little Nickelodeon-level horror stories to tell you. It's fine. It's a fine time. Okay, then. <laughs> I, I think this is the first time that a least favorite log has ever sold me on watching the movie. Um, kind of sold, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, Aaron, did you see the house? Uh, no, but I listened to a review today where it was like your it was like oh your movies suck or whatever that person is on YouTube and he reviewed this as one of the movies and he said he gave it a six out of ten which is good for him so I don't know that's, that's what he gives every movie yeah uh, he gave Infinity Pool a three out of ten that that video which made me upset yeah that hurts okay so, anyways I didn't see the house Dean did you see this. No, I didn't see the house. It does sound like I kind of want to watch it, though, but I haven't seen it. I think a lot of people will like it. It's just I liked I, it. It was fine. It got to fine for me. It didn't get to good. That's pretty yeah. much what he said in his review. Yeah. Like literally what he said. Sorry. I am not that guy. Uh, Payson, did you see the Is this the one with Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler? Ha! <laughs> anyway, uh, now we go over to me. Uh, so for the last two weeks, I picked, uh, for my least favorite log, I picked movies that uh, won Best Supporting Actress because I'm going through those. Uh, I'm going to mix it up a little this week, though, and I'm going with the uh, Best Supporting Actress winner in old Chicago. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, still watching these. Um, category hasn't really gotten good yet. Uh, this, I, I will say, the movie itself is actually not that bad. The movie's, like, fine. It's a bit of a nothing burger. The, there's actually kind of an interesting dynamic, though, with um, Don Amici's character and his brother, because uh, it's kind of like a gangster story. 
Alice Brady, though, won the Oscar for this. There's no real reason why. Like, she's completely and utterly mediocre. Like, there's just nothing to this performance. She's she's fine. Um, I think it's because the last one, that lady from Anthony Adverse won an Oscar, and she beat Alice Brady and my man Goff Godfrey, who probably should have won. So, like, here, Alice Brady. Good for you. Movie's meh. Uh, John? I think 25 minutes ago, this really intense movie guy I know said there wasn't much for women to do in the late 30s. So that makes sense, Caleb. Yeah, no, like I said, they can either be the love interest or the mother. Yeah. She's the mother. That's <laughs> that's who she won. She won an Oscar for playing the mother. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, has anyone seen this? No. Why don't? Why am I going back and forth? I, 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 I just have a funny point. You coming on every week and being like, "So I'm doing this challenge," has become the new. So I have this brother-in-law, and I just want to point like the new catchphrase of Log that's worst movie of the week. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's valid. I, at this point, though, I'm 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 too pot committed to stop. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so Dean, over to you. What is your least favorite movie log this week? Uh, this week I sort of started my trek through the uh, DreamWorks Animations movies, and um, this one stopped that trek. I just <laughs> had to, I had to quit, and uh, you know we'll try again next week. But I, I, I had rocked a couple movies in a row, and then I got to home, and um. The secondhand embarrassment I was feeling while watching this movie, I just couldn't handle it. I I was so embarrassed that the movie existed, just the more that it went on. Like, this this movie has uh, Rihanna, who uh, voices uh, the main character, Tip, and it's about an alien. Um, I mean, it's about an alien race that comes to Earth, and uh, this this one alien is, she's, she's trying to teach him that, like, music is good, and that... He should like music. And she puts on a Rihanna song and it's not funny. It's embarrassing. Like it's, it's not played off for a joke and for laughs. It's played off as like, isn't this the greatest song you've ever heard? Um, I just like, come on. <laughs> it's, there's a, a Rihanna song in the movie. Great. Fine. I mean, play it, play it in the credits. That's fine. I just, it was it's so strange. And then obviously this, uh, this aliens um, dialect is just uh, very, also very embarrassing um, to try to listen to and uh, having it, <laughs> was it yes thank you <laughs> having it just uh, keep coming up over and over I felt like I'd get used to it and maybe over it and it just got kept getting worse and worse and worse um, I just uh, yeah it was it was not for me so I could use this time here to talk about uh, home I'm not going to awful movie. Instead, I'm going to use my time to uh, discuss the fact that uh, the main character is voiced by Jim Parsons. He has four Emmys! He has won four Emmys 
for a character. He shows up and he says, Bazinga! And you're all supposed to go, Isn't this funny? I'm Chuck Lore. I'm a comedic genius. And it's like, ah, ha, ha. They say nerd things. Ha, ha, ha. Isn't that funny? Isn't that really clever? And then Community was a show that struggled, struggled to get six seasons and was basically still the nerd character, but it was good. It was a good show. And Danny Pody, who is playing the much better version of Sheldon Cooper, never even nominated for an Emmy. It's disgusting. It's outrageous. I hate it. I'm sorry, Tim. I know you're watching. I know you love the big game. Just pretend you didn't hear all that. Okay, we're good. Anyway, John, thoughts on home? Sometime last year, I was assi- someone picked this movie in Ontal. I don't know who it was, but they're a war criminal for picking. Why? Why would you pick this? The deep cut. And then I, I was assigned the task to write the questions for it, and I, I get. I don't know if you guys know me. I have a problem with anger, um, so I got very angry watching Home, and I wrote this on Letterbox. And for if you enjoy this, check out my Letterbox. This is what I wrote about Home. Uh, The fact that this movie was marketed towards families and children upsets me deeply, not because it's not age appropriate or controversial. I just don't want children or people with below average IQs thinking this is good enough to be shown to other people. And that's exactly how I feel about this movie. Yes, I actually I had that feeling as well watching it. I said, kids, please do not watch this. That's all I was thinking. If, If a kid thinks that's a good movie you've committed an act of child abuse. Like if, yeah. if you show it to your kid, fine. But if your kid goes away, this is what movies are. You should be, you should be taken to court. <laughs> Aaron, have you had the misfortune of watching this? No. Fair enough. Payson. You know who also has never been nominated for an Emmy? Glenn Howarden. The guy for like years was given like one of the best comedic performances on TV. It's ridiculous. Who, I'm I'm blank. Uh, that's that's Dennis. Dennis from It's Always Dennis Sunny. It's Always Sunny. Oh, okay, fair, fair, valid. Maybe, maybe yeah. the greatest TV villain of all time. That's fair. I've seen like three episodes of the show. Anyway, moving on. Uh, over to Payson. Payson. <sighs> movie you like this week? Let me tell you a little bit about Thursday, April thirteenth. It's one of the worst movie days I think I've had in a while. I go to the theater, I see Owen Wilson's Paint, one-star movie, worst movie I've seen this year, awful. I go home, I watch the original Friday the 13th movie. Pretty good, not my cup of tea, but you know what, it's fine. I decide, you know, I'm going to watch one more movie before I go to bed. Watch Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, awful, one-star movie, I don't get how people like that one. And I'm like, you know what, I really just gotta go for it. I gotta end it on the worst one. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Had me looking up at my fan, questioning how strong it was, and thinking if it could hold 250 pounds worth of man. What a piece of shit, awful, hunky-dory ass. Like, some people shouldn't be able to have a blank check. Rob Zombie is one of those people. You know what? Rob Zombie's Halloween, I don't like that movie. It's terrible. At least it looks like a movie. This movie is just filmed like a music video where Michael Myers is just watching, like, He's just looking and he just sees a horse and he just seems like this like woman in like black and she's supposed to represent like the evil in his art. And like Laurie Schrode is like traumatized from everything and she now works like a hot topic and she's now doing drugs and drinking and she's now unlikable. Uh, Sam Loomis is now an arrogant douchebag that is now writing books 
uh, uh, off the killings. Uh, everyone, once again, is just an awful, unlikable person. It just feels ugly. Like, I look at this movie, and it feels like I'm watching Harmony Corinne's Gummo, and I just want to just die, but I have to watch it because of trivia stuff. Ugh. I hate it. I hate Rob Zombie's Halloween, too. It's it's maybe, if, if, if Matt Quaylar and Nazario Montenegro did not make me watch Jack and Jill, this would be my least favorite movie I've ever watched in trivia. Just a horrid piece of cinema. I want to shoot every white horse I see. George, George Washington should be ashamed. I don't like being an American. <laughs> what a non sequitur. I haven't seen this. John, have you seen this? Yeah. Um, completionist that I am, I have seen the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. And Payson's right, you know. Uh, however, you know, I think I don't think I'm going to match that. As a horror fan, I kind of like, you know, I don't have to defend it. You know, I'm not going to defend it. There's obviously better Rob Zombies. There's better Halloweens. Uh, this movie is uh, is disrespectful. It's it's it's. It, that, I think that's what I'll say. I'll say it's clearly disrespectful fair uh aaron uh i'm in a minority on these two i think these are both really great and uh i like that he was able to do his vision it's not for everybody 100 i do like two more than one and uh, i'm not trying to be funny either i think it's a beautiful movie too so i don't really understand and it is like i guess like a crazy music video if you want to look at it that way but uh i like that he got to make the movies he wanted to make and uh like you know for me uh i liked both of them uh i've gone back and revisited these movies uh before i think this is like one of the more overhated like horror movies of like the early 2000s there's plenty of worse movies than this one from that decade so i don't I know that. it's really not that bad i i and i think it looks pretty cool yeah i i didn't i don't hate them i just yeah, there's right. not- the horse thing gets way overhated. Like yeah. it's like not the first movie to have over the top symbolism. Like it's not the entire movie, and it it's got some good it's got some good parts, and then a lot of yelling, Lori. But that that, that that's both movies is a lot of yelling and crying, and yeah, like it's horrifying. Uh, Dean, thoughts on Halloween too? Uh, yeah, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that was a bad bad follow here. Um, but yeah, it's uh for me. I'm uh, kind of what, what what Payson was saying. I think um, it's both the movies, both the Rob Zombie movies. I don't really like. They're just not not my cup of tea. Um, I try when I was watching them. Um, I was trying to think. Like I know a lot of people like them, so I was trying to get in the mindset of like what is there, what is there here, and they are made very well. They're good movies. Um, they're like well made movies. Uh, it's just not not quite for me. Uh, it just did feel did feel a little bit like. Uh, like there, I was being delivered, you know, like a, a bag of shit or something. Um, it just felt like a little bit of a prank that uh, that that was a Halloween movie. Um, but I do like two. I would say I do like two more than one. Like I guess I respect two more than one because uh, he's going for it. Like in at least in two, he's going for what he wants. He's going for his vision. One is like a half the movie is him setting up like uh, his, what he wants to do, and then just the second half of the movie is Halloween again. And so like that, I don't, I don't, I don't appreciate that really. Uh, I like that in two, he at least gets to go for the whole movie, what he wants, whether it's for me or not. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad that he got to go for it on two. Fair enough. Well, uh, now we get over to the meat and potatoes of the show. It's time for horror protagonists. 
Aaron, we're going to kick it off with you. Who is your first pick for horror protagonists? Um, yeah, my first pick, uh, not really much of a mystery to many people. Uh, I like to partake in uh, a little bit of marijuana from here to there. Uh, and the stoners are not treated well in the genre of horror, in the genre of movies as a whole. They're not treated very well uh, or accurately. Um, but Marty from Cabin in the Woods, he is the one for all of us. He starts out, I mean, he's just, you know, all the tropes that you expect, he kind of goes against and uh, survives throughout the movie. I'm not, I don't really want to recount all of Cabin in the Woods. We've all seen it here. Uh, it's a great one. And uh, yeah, it was, it was one that was like refreshing to see because I was waiting for him to die the entire time. And, uh, you know, it is nice that uh, he ended up being very useful and a lot of the things that he foreshadowed came to fruition. And just like, you know, he's like, a, he's similar to Randy, but in this movie he has much more of a role and they don't make the mistake that they did with Randy. So for me, Marty, it's like literally me on screen is what I'd like to think, but no, it's not. That's fine. Um, but I'd like to pretend. So yeah, Marty, I had to pick him. Just had to That's valid. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Marty is probably, besides Richard Jenkins and Bradley, but for Marty is the best part of Cabin in the Woods. It's great. It was such a weird experience watching this movie for the first time because I saw this guy and I was like, why do I recognize him? Why does he look familiar? That's Bill from Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules. Sure. And then that same guy went on to go direct the movie Mass, which is very good, but very sad. Anyway, uh, John, thoughts on Marty from Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, Marty's, you know, there's a lot to like about Cabin in the Woods, and Marty in particular, just because it goes totally against type, you know, even we're not necessarily spoiling too much about this movie. I think this is a very popular movie that people have seen, but the fact that they, the way the plot goes, they just lead you to believe that Marty is the stoner that gets killed off, and then they throw you the curveball, like, no, 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 there's, he has so much more to do. So I think that's a great pick. Marty is like a champion, uh, not only for stoners, but for horror movie characters in general. Valid. Uh, Dean? Yeah, Marty's a great choice. I was thinking about Cabin in the Woods and who to who to choose from it, and I think Marty is the correct choice from Cabin in the Woods. It's uh, such a such a meta movie, and uh, he's you know he's the audience. He's the character just sniffing everything out. Um, he's the one seeing that uh, what's going on, stepping back and and figuring out the puzzle. Uh, absolutely great, Marty. Marty's a, a great choice. And Payson. Yeah, uh, I watched this movie earlier this year. It was just one that I'd never seen. I finally decided to just knock it off. And yeah, I think I think of the like crew in the cabin, Marty is definitely like my favorite character. Like when he, you're first introduced, he's sort of you're like, oh, this guy's so dumb, but he's so lovable. He's gonna die. And just the fact that they make him like weirdly like like the smart one, I think is really really fun. Like at the end of the day, like they can't really do anything without Marty. And yeah, I just think that's fun. And yeah, hashtag Dink. Let's go. Hey. Uh, John, over to you. What is your first pick? Since we're talking about meta horror movies, I'm going to kind of go a little bit against type because in this movie, normally this person would probably be considered the antagonist, but the whole movie is about him. So he is the protagonist. Uh, it's Leslie Vernon from Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Uh, this guy, we're in a world where everybody's real. Jason Voorhees is real. Freddy Krueger is real. Michael Myers is real. And all Leslie wants to be is as famous as those guys. 
and he he works hard he studies hard he studied all the techniques and this whole movie is about leslie's big day and how he's going to make it and does he make it tune in and find out that is fair uh, i have not seen behind the mask aaron have you seen it i have seen uh this movie it's a great choice uh great movie um yeah no i don't want to say too much about this but this is definitely up there for my favorite meta horror so that's valid uh dean i haven't seen behind the mask it sounds awesome uh Payson. yeah same boat as dean this movie sounds really interesting well, I'll just say a little more about it then. It's basically, um, you know, we, we've all seen Scream and we've all seen other meta horror movies, but it really breaks down a lot of the tropes, kind of the same way, actually almost exactly like Cabin in the Woods. He, he'll explain why certain things always happen in slasher movies. And you get all, all those moments, and it's actually two movies in one. There's the whole setup, and then right at like the 70% point, it turns into a slasher movie where you get to see Le Leslie's slasher movie, and it is totally awesome. Okay, this sounds pretty neat. Uh, we're going to go over to me now. Uh, I am going to... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to let... I'm going to get the basic ones out. You guys can take your normal ones. I'm, I'm going to go for the basics. Uh, and I think I am going to start off with Clarice. I got to go Clarice Starling from Silence of the Lambs. Uh, this is absolutely one of the greatest horror protagonist, greatest performances in a horror movie, I think we would say. Like, she is so good. And the way that she is portrayed is this woman who is in a male-dominated field and so kind of isolated in terms of her support system and the dynamic between her and Lecter is so interesting. And the way in which, in some ways... You know, you learn more about her through those instances and the way in which she solves the problems, I think, are so intriguing. Yeah, uh, Clarice is absolutely one of the great protagonists in horror. John, thoughts on Clarice to her? Clarice, the whole relationship with Hannibal is fantastic. You know, every all those scenes are great. And I think they're obviously they're infinitely quotable, infinitely memorable. Uh, I'm a huge Silence Lambs fan. I'm a huge fan of the books and the movie. Um, I think that's a great pick, boat. Um, yeah, it definitely is, deserves all the accolades it's got. I agree. Uh, Aaron, she walks through shit to get to Hannibal. It's, she's just a true protagonist of horror. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, very good. Dean. Yeah, same. Uh, not much to add. It's just those scenes. Scenes with Hannibal are incredible. It's such a it, like the screenplay is so great. It's such a great, uh, such a great idea in this movie. Um, and and the the performance is just what's selling it. Um, it's yeah. She's she's an absolutely great protagonist. Has to be on the list. Payson. Yeah, classic choice. I just wanted to grab it because I got to show it. I do own Silence of the Lambs on Criterion. Uh, anytime there's a Criterion movie mentioned that I own, gotta grab it. Yeah, Jodie Foster is so good at this character. And I love the movie never, like, the movie never shows her as, like, this, like, naive officer. Like, she knows exactly what she's doing. This may be her first, like, major mission, but she's not, like, out of her, like, out, out of her element in any way. And I think the, the fact that Jodie Foster plays her with such, like, class and such power, I think really makes the character great. And... Yeah, her, her scenes with Hannibal are incredible. Um, her hunting down Buffalo Bill, that final scene in, like, Underground the House is d iconic. Yeah. 
That's fair. Well, uh, now uh, we go over to a uh, no. Aaron's already had his pick. We go over to Dean for his pick. Well, like you, uh, Caleb, I'm going to get uh, an obvious one out of the way, and uh, I just I just have to pick it. I'm actually thankful that it's free by the time it gets to me because it is my favorite movie, and it's Alien. It's going to be Ripley from Alien. Um, just uh, the the way that you don't even know that she's sort of the going to be the main character. She's going to be the you know the main protagonist of the movie. Halfway through, you kind of find that out, um, and she's she's like. Uh, not going to take any shit from anyone you know like there's she's there she's being yelled at in in all the areas she's going to she's uh, no one wants anyone to for her to like stick her nose in their business no one wants that and uh she's just going to do her job you know and she does a good job she steps up they're in they're stuck on this ship with this thing they've never encountered before and you know she's not afraid she just has to get it done she's got to do whatever needs to get done to live to be safe to survive and uh, at the end you know, she's just walking around the ship with the flamethrower, and it's just iconic stuff uh, of her just walking through a ship. Um, just my my favorite movie and uh, my favorite horror protagonist. Valid, yeah. No, I I think my favorite element about this character is what you touched on, which is that it is the way the movie presents her. She is not the protagonist at the start of the movie, and it just kind of feels, you know, like. The situation really is thrust upon her, even with how the movie is presented. It's just like, oh, we've lost all our other like focus points. I guess this is the character we're looking at now. And I think that's so fascinating. It's one of those movies that I wish like I didn't know that Ripley was like one of the great, you know, cinematic protagonists going into watching this. Because if I didn't know that, I was just like, oh, here's the movie Alien. I would have been like, okay, well, uh, I assume we're following this guy. Oh, he died. I assume we're, and then just to kind of, I, I wish that's this is a movie I could have gone in completely blind. Uh, John, thoughts on Ripley? Yeah, everything you guys are saying, Ripley is right. Ripley is like third in command. She's basically like the HR person on the ship because she's the she's like the annoying person. Like, guys, it's protocol. Guys, this is protocol, guys. And she was right. Like if they had just listened to Ripley, like the whole movie doesn't happen. And every time I rewatch Alien, I get frustrated for Ripley because it's like, why can't they just follow the goddamn rules, right? Like, Ripley is a hero before she's even a hero in Alien. That is true. Uh, Aaron, thoughts on Ripley? Yeah, uh, I saw this as a kid. Didn't know that Ripley, didn't know, like, a woman could be a hero in a movie when I was a kid. Honestly, because I'd seen mostly, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger and other things. So like, it did, like, have the impact for me as a kid, I think. And, uh, you know, I mean, maybe... Uh, Maybe it's one I don't really watch too often just because we all kind of know how well it is, but we kind of take it for granted. I at least take it for granted because of that, but this is a great choice. And it's one of the best because she is one of the best. So, uh, Payson. I just realized, like, Ripley's over here, like, saying, like, gotta follow strictly to protocol. Like, and when you really think if they just would have followed Ripley's directions, like, everything would have been end up okay. Is Boatman Ripley? Like, think about it. <laughs> Think about it. Like, like he's the one that's always like, guys, we 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 gotta go by the book. We we gotta follow protocol. And just like when 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 you think about most situations in my life, I'm like, you know what? I just want to follow Boatman. Would have been okay. Great choice. All right. I won't touch on that. <laughs> anyway, though, uh, follow the protocol. Anyway, uh, Payson, 
over to you. Yeah, on the theme of characters that when you first watch the movie, you don't think they're going to be the main character, and then by the end, they just end up being the only one that's surviving. Yeah, hail to the king, baby. Ash Williams, what are we doing here? Like, I, I, if, if, if he was going to be taken, he was going to be the one I was going to take. I'm, I'm taking Evil Dead 2. That's my personal favorite of the franchise, specifically because I think it it combines. It's, it's the perfect combination of the intense horror of the Evil Dead and the ridiculous campy nature of Army of Darkness. And I think this one just combines the two, like, perfectly. Um, I think Bruce Campbell is so perfect at, at, as, at playing, like, this idiot. Because at the end of the day, Ash is kind of, like, a hunky idiot. And I think that's kind of what makes the character so much fun. Like, other than, like, Kurt Russell and Big Trouble in Little China, I can't think of too many other movies that, like, you of, like, these action genre. I, I guess you could also put, like, Jeff Bridges and the Big Lebowski in there where, like, the person... Although I give him more credits, I think he's smarter than people... Um, give him credit for but just like you're following the dumbest person alive and he just somehow ends up like surviving and i think the, the i think a big majority of the fact is that like the villains that are like uh the the deadites that are going after ash they're not trying to kill him they're really just trying to mess with him and make him have like an awful day and i think that's what makes it so much fun um just him at the end just like chopping off his arm putting the shotgun on and saying groovy i think like when i first watched this movie i was like is this movie in on the joke? And I think that was like the moment where I was like, oh, this movie's kind of like a horror masterpiece. Yeah, Ash Williams, one of the most iconic characters, and I think Bruce Campbell is so perfect in this role. Yeah, uh, I I watch, I have watched these movies in the complete wrong order because I watched Army of Darkness first, and mm. then I watched Evil Dead 2, and I've still never seen the Evil Dead uh, <laughs> because I've been told, I, a, I didn't need to to see Evil Dead 2 and B, that I wouldn't like the Evil Dead. Um, but Evil Dead 2 was a blast. And Evil Dead 2 was a very good time. Very fun time. And Ash is the main reason for that. Like, this is just such a fun character. Um, yeah, no, I had such a fun time with uh, Evil Dead 2. And also to kind of talk, I also love him in Armies of Darkness as well. Yeah, he's great in that yeah, like Bruce Campbell just kills it in both of them. Uh, John, thoughts on Ash? I came in here exactly like I thought we would. I knew you guys would pick those. I had him as honorable mention, and I'm glad you said it, Pace, so I don't have to say it later. Uh, Ash, Ashley J. Williams lays like the groundwork for Bruce Campbell's entire career because in 80% of the movies he's in, he's playing some version of this character. Even, even when he shows up like in the Spider-Man movies, that's just Ashley Williams as a ring announcer. It's Ashley Williams as a maitre d'. It's, it's great. And then if you haven't watched the Ash vs. Evil Dead television series, do yourself a favor, check that out. Because it's just a fantastic time. Every, every Evil Dead thing in that Evil Dead universe, not this new Evil Dead universe, which is also good. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would just like to say that I don't think he is playing Ash in the 2005 masterpiece Sky High. Uh, he is great as Coach Boomer, Sonic Boom. Come on, sidekick. <laughs> anyway, uh, hero and a uh, handsome one at that. <laughs> Ash, uh, th or Aaron, thoughts on Ash? <laughs> Groovy, you're muted. Muted, buddy. Yeah, Ash is great. Uh, he's groovy. Uh, I actually saw these movies quite late, um, and I started with the TV show. So uh, the TV show got me into series. It's still my favorite 
uh, thing that's come out of any of the movies or the series is the show. So, um, but yeah, Ash is amazing. And he rocks a Michigan State sweatshirt. Go green. Sports. Uh, it's a university. It's a, I didn't, you know, Michigan State. Yeah. I, I wasn't criticizing. I was just saying sports. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dean. Uh, yeah, this is a great pick. Um, and I love the pick of Evil Dead 2 because, um, you know, Evil Dead 2 right in the middle. It's got to be the bridge movie. We have to get from, you know, a pencil being jabbed into an ankle and dragged down where we're, we're, we're wincing at looking at that. And we have to get to a Three Stooges gag in two movies. And somehow we get there in this movie. And that's all Ash. That's all Bruce Campbell. Just keeping that horror in from the first one, but then slowly transitioning us to that comedy with sort of him losing his mind in this cabin. And uh, he, he, yeah, he just, he, he like turns a couple times even in this movie. Like everything he gives you is just like, you're not expecting it, uh, especially coming off the evil dead. You don't expect it to be like this and you should be rolling your eyes at Groovy, and you're not. You're fist-pumping, because he sells it. He gets you to the point where you are fist-pumping him saying Groovy. Um, so, yeah, it's just absolutely awesome. Absolutely. Well, Aaron, we go back around to you. What's your second pick? Uh, my second pick is uh, I, I can't choose between these two. I feel these two are one and the same anyways, so I'm going to you know go ahead and say Tucker and Dale from Tucker and Dale versus evil. I don't care if I am disqualified. I don't care if it's not allowed. I'm not I'm going not your dad. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to choose between these two gentlemen there. This is one of the greatest horror comedies of all time. It is just perfect. Perfect to me. And it's just two guys who are going up to their ca new cabin. Um, platonic platonic friends. That's it. They're just two buddies who, you know, maybe, maybe they're more, I don't think so. You know, maybe, but, uh, you know, and they're just building, you know, trying to fix up this cabin. And these college kids just, they have the wrong idea about them from the very beginning. They go over to them and, you know, try to giggle a little bit. And uh, they're just viewed as just like horrifying monsters by these uh, kids who start to kill themselves. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, and they get blamed for it. And I mean, it's just, it's just a great time. And uh these are two of the best protagonists of all time because they're viewed as the antagonists for so much of the movie by the true pro true antagonist. I mean, it's just layer upon layer. I don't want to get into it too deeply here, Caleb. I don't know if you could hang with it, but yeah. Tucker I, and Dale versus evil. I know. I've seen it. Tucker and Dale versus I'm joking. No, I'm kidding. No, but no, yeah. I, I've seen this movie. I quite enjoy Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Actually, this movie's a blast, and Tucker and Dale are the reasons why. Uh, they are so much fun, and just I, I, I just love any moment where like one of the kills happened, and they're just like, "Oh my gosh, no!" And like, because their reactions are like what makes it, because they're just watching these teenagers accidentally walk into death, and they're like, "Ah, no." <laughs> Like so, I just, yeah, yeah, just like even like just walking up and just like laughing in the parking lot after the liquor store, and they're just, it's just like make sure you go over there and you're charismatic. Make sure you <laughs> giggle a little bit and just like holding a sickle as he's just like it's like so stupid and just like yeah, no, very fun, very yeah. fun pick. Uh, John, thoughts on Tucker and Dale? 
Yeah, like I, I'm loving all these these meta picks because really Tucker and Dale is another meta horror movie where it kind of gives you like a twist on like why do these things always happen in slash movies? What if they're all just a series of very funny misunderstandings? And uh, really, there's so many like great just like small scenes in Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, like, like the scene when they're running through the woods and you you know the the, the kid thinks he's being chased, then Tucker thinks he's being chased, <laughs> and, and like all the misunderstandings are freaking great. You know, Alan Tudyk, you know. You know, everybody appreciates his comedic genius. Tyler Levine also comedic genius. Put two comedic geniuses together. This is what you get. They're, they're another great choice. Tucker and Dale, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. That's fair. Uh, well, Dean, thoughts on Tucker and Dale? Yeah. Uh, big fan, great choice. Uh, just like John said, I'm loving the meta picks here. Um, this is uh, this is a great movie. And uh, yeah, I love that they're on the list. And Payson. I've never actually seen this movie. I've heard great things, though. That's fair. I feel like you dig it. Anyway, uh, now we go over to John. John, what's your second pick? Let me give you my final meta pick. I, there's other movies where I probably like the horror protagonist more, but I do think in these meta movies, the protagonists take on like a way better role. So my final pick, and I think it's my final pick, is Max Cartwright from The Final Girls, uh, if you've seen this movie. Um, movie about like a bunch of friends they go to a double feature max's mother was the scream queen in those movies however she died young leaving max alone and through some tragic accident all of these kids get pulled into the movie and knowing full well what's going to happen in the movie they try to stop the killer in the movie from killing people and it turns out that max needs to you know take on the role and become the final girl in the movie so it's really meta in a sense that they're playing parts in a the movie they're not supposed to be in. So the final girls, Max Cartwright is my second. Yeah, I have not seen this one. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun though. Uh, Aaron, have you seen this one? I was I muted you. Uh, I almost watched this like two days ago, um, so I do not want to know why. Uh, whatever his name is, because I've even ignored that. Uh, I don't care uh, about any of this. So I'm not looking. <laughs> Uh, I hate. I didn't, I didn't spoil anything. I hate spoilers more than I didn't anything. Spoil anything. I'm so spoiler phobic; it's insane. I don't even read descriptions of movies anymore. Uh, so I'm gonna watch this soon. Fair, uh, Dean. Have you seen? This haven't one? no, haven't seen it yet. It's uh, high on the list to watch. Fair, Payson. I'm gonna assume you haven't seen this. Uh, I have not. No, I have not. Fair enough. I well, watched Spree. I watched Spree instead of this the other night. Horrible Spree. choice. No, <laughs> <laughs> Good movie. This is better. Good movie. This is better. That's fair. Uh, now we go over to me. You know, I could go a little bit more obvious. But I'm, I'm going to choose one that's still like pretty, like well, I'm going to go a well-known movie, but I don't think a character that we would think of. And I'm going with Blanche Hudson from Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Uh, you know, in terms of these, like you know, basically the horror movies where it's essentially just revolving around two characters, you know, your miseries and films of the like. I really like uh, the characterization of Joan Crawford's Blanche Hudson of, you know, another person who is essentially stuck in one spot. But I really like kind of what's revealed about, you know, uh, her as a person and the dynamic between her and her sister and kind of how, you know, baby Jane used to be the more notable one and she surpassed her sister. And then how she's maybe not quite as good as she seemed. And I think there's just a lot of interesting factors going on here. I, I really like this character. 
Uh, John, thoughts on Blanche Hudson? On my list to watch. I'm sure, I think I, I think this is coming up soon for me, so I will get back to me on that. Fair. Aaron? I love this movie. It's just absolutely insane. Um, I don't really I don't really think of Blanche when I think of this movie, I'll be honest. Um, but um, yeah, it's a great I have great movie. So I'm glad Valid. it's brought up. Valid Dean. Haven't seen it. Fair. Payson? Yeah, this movie's awesome. It's like the perfect amount of like 60s camp. Because, like, both Betty Davis, specifically Betty Davis, but also kind of Joan Crawford are just, like, acting for, like, the back row in, like, the most over-the-top way. And, I, and then, like, I think when you think of this movie, like, Betty Davis has, like, the more showy role as baby Jay, as as Jane. But, yeah, like, I, I think what uh, Joan Crawford, like, her character is the, is the person you feel the most bad for, considering, like, throughout the majority of the movie, she is, like unfortunately handicapped and then as you learn more and more about that i think it's really really interesting um yeah i i think this is a great pick one that i wasn't thinking of but i'm very happy you uh, brought it up because great movie fair enough uh well now we go over to dean dean what is your final pick um i knew i was gonna go with ripley i have a bunch of other names written down here i was gonna do a game time decision and the one that's the one that's screaming at me um, is uh, it's a weird one. It's going to be Cole from The Sixth Sense, and uh, it it's going to be because this is a character who is going to take his greatest fear, the thing he is most afraid of. It is ruining his life. It is ruining the lives of the people around him, and he's going to turn that into something positive. He's going to turn that into something that he helps. Uh, he actually is helpful with. You know, he he turns it into something that it is a strength for him. He decides to not just be you know afraid of all the ghosts that he's seeing um but to talk to them and figure out why maybe they want to talk to him and he sort of turns that into just being a very very helpful helpful person which gets us kind of all the way um to the end of the movie and i think this is a movie that doesn't even need the twist i think it's great even without it obviously uh with the twist that it, it is also excellent um maybe the twist kind of ruined m night Shyamalan, but uh I, I, I love it. And I think Cole, I think Cole having this type of arc um, is just, it, it's so complete from turning that fear into that, into that strength uh, that I just wanted to throw him on the list. I love this pick. This is a fantastic pick. Um, th this is a really great pick. And yeah, he's, he is really the one with almost more of the arc than even Bruce Willis's character, Malcolm. Like this is, the, what he has to overcome and specifically like that subplot with uh, the the little girl and, you know, and the videotapes and the funeral. I think that's really interesting the way he goes there. Yeah, no, really great point. Love this pick. Uh, now we go over, or yeah, John, thoughts on Cole from The Sixth Sense? How lucky is Cole that one of the first ghosts he meets is a friendly child psychiatrist who just shepherds him through the entire process. Luckiest little psychic boy I've ever met. But yeah, I think it's a great pick. I think I, I love this movie. I, I love the relationship between, you know, uh, Malcolm and Cole. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 like, it's like a buddy ghost movie, but not really. Fair. Uh, Aaron. Yeah, great pick. Great movie. And uh, did not ruin M. Night at all. M. Night's great. Um, you know, I watched Listen, Cole. I love him. I like him, people people yeah. are expecting the twists, so that's why I think uh, yeah, you know. people don't like. I like. I love. Them. Yeah, no, I really. Um, but I really like this pick. Great movie. Uh, 
this is one of those huge movies that I just unfortunately have not seen yet. I really, really want to. I think I would like it. I've been able to stay unspoiled from the twist. So I actually don't really know what I, I can't even say that with a straight face. But no, like I do really, really want to watch it. Could you imagine if I didn't know what the twist was? Like, could you imagine? <laughs> I don't know how you like. I, I'm imagining like someone like we accidentally reveal that in like a trivia answer, and someone's like, "Wait, Bruce Willis is a ghost? What?" <laughs> I thought the twist was that the dude in the beginning was a new kid on the block. Isn't that the twist? Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah that's the twist. That's the twist. <laughs> the twist is that step by step, they'll murder you. Uh, <laughs> step by step. Okay. Anyway, where uh, were we? Oh, yeah. No, that was the end of that pick. So now we go over to Payson to take us home. Hey, your IMDb considers a horror movie? Jaws. Martin Brody's one of the best horror uh, protagonists of all time. Uh, yeah, I just, like, I know some people are like, uh, is Jaws really a horror movie? Yes, yes, Jaws is a horror movie. It scared people to not go into the into the ocean. It's literally, like, the greatest monster movie of all time. Jaws is awesome. And Martin Brody is, like, one of the great, like, movie protagonists ever. Like, the fact that he, like, has to face his fear and go out into the water in order to go take this shark down because he realized that no one else is going to do it. Uh, he has to literally, like, um, c stop um, Quint and Hooper from, like, killing each other. And if you hear the onset stories, uh, uh, Roy Scheider was essentially stopping Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss from killing each other because they apparently did not like each other on set. Um, I just, I just love like, uh, seeing him at the beginning where like, he's, he, he starts out as like, okay, I guess I'm going to trust the mayor. I guess it is just one shark attack. We're probably going to be okay. And then just slowly starting to realize more about the shark. Like, yo, we gotta, we gotta close this thing down. And then when it, the attack, uh, thing attacks, he's like, told you. And then yeah, when, when he goes out into the, into the sea, like, um, him just chilling with his boys and then just him killing the shark, maybe the greatest use of movie profanity of profanity in movie ever in movies ever with smile you son of a bitch and then just blowing that shark up and then just maybe one of the greatest like reactions to a kill of just like <laughs> when it's all over it's it, it's martin brody he's one of the best of all time yeah fair enough um yeah no this is a great pick love i i think love the dynamic of him being kind of the pragmatist of the bunch, you know, he's not the intellectual, he's not the guard, it's just like, here's, you know, what we need to do, can we get it done, but he's also, you know, not, you know, barreling, forcing, he's just kind of the presence of like, this is what we need to get done. He's great, love all three guys from Jaws, he's, if I'm being honest, Brody's probably my least favorite of the three, but like, it's a great three. Um, uh, John, thoughts on Brody? You mean that enemy of capitalism, Martin Brody? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, Brody's great. Like, you know, uh, yeah, he comes back to the sequel and everything. Uh, but yeah, the, again, just like Ripley, why don't you, if you listen to this frigging guy, half the crap doesn't even happen in the movie. Just, you're, like, he's, he's the law. He's the guy. The mayor is there. He should know that this is the guy you trust. The mayor is just everything wrong with America. You know? Am I right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> sure. And, and then he closes the beach when his kid uh, is in danger. He's like, oh, my kid is in danger. Gotta go up to the shark. Oh. You yell barracuda. And we got a panic on our hands. On the or you yell shark. And we got a panic on our hands. Of course, you 
<laughs> I love Murray Hamilton. He's great. Uh, anyway, Aaron, thoughts on Martin Bird? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm more of a Quint guy myself, but uh, yeah, I saw Jaws for the first time in COVID, and uh, yeah, the parallels were very, very clear of like experts giving us one advice and the person in charge of trying to make money is like, no. And then like a specific personal thing happens to them and then they believe it. Like all that was like very, you know, very, very similar to what was happening back in 2020. So yeah, good movie. Good, good choice. Dean? Yeah, great choice. It was on my page here to pick. Uh, Joss is definitely a horror movie. I will not. I'm one of those people. I will not go into the water. And it is because I watched this movie when I was like five years old. I'm absolutely terrified. Can't go in the water. Um, Brody's great. Brody's, I think, uh, a, the great pick from this movie because uh, he's not, you know, he is not the expert. He's the one out of his element. The other two are sort of in in their element a little bit. Um, and he's, he's the one that's got to drive the team, you know, and, uh, and keep them moving forward. He's the one that ends up, um, you know, completing, completing the mission. Um, he's, yeah, he's, uh, even just being, even just being here in this, you know, in this town is kind of out of his, out of his element. And I, I, I often don't really love when people just aren't listening to other people in horror movies, you know, and like blatantly just not taking not listening at all you're like just because you're yelling at the screen you're like just listen just listen to them um but this one you know they have their reasons and we know them and it's they want to make money right so they want to keep the keep that beach open so i love it i love that they're they're turning it doesn't matter what evidence he's going to throw in front of their face they're just going to turn away and say it's fine um and so he's got to go you know take matters into his own hands uh i love it that is valid uh, well, that does close us out for horror protagonists. Uh, to recap, the picks were Marty from Cabin in the Woods, Leslie Vernon from Behind the Mask, Clary Starling from Sons of the Lambs, Ripley from Alien, Ash from Evil Dead 2, Tucker and Dale, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Max Cartwright from The Final Girls, Blanche from Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Cole from The Sixth Sense, and Martin Brody from Jaws. But before we head out here, we have the movie of the month to talk about. I haven't talked about the movie of the month yet, so I will start out. Um, yeah, I watched this again today. I had seen it before last year. I believe it was my pick at the time for favorite movie I loved that week. Um, so I won't talk too long about it, but still excellent. Uh, there are things now that I know how it ends that I appreciated even more the second time. Specifically, I think the score of how the score feels like it is writing the movie itself. I think is so fascinating and so interesting and so many other elements like that playing into that. Um, yeah. Whole cast is fantastic. I completely forgot that Benedict Cumberbatch was in the movie. I just like had wiped that detail from my main brain for some reason. Um, and I remembered thinking this at the time, but just especially after watching Ted Lasso again or watching Ted Lasso, it's like, that is Keely. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird that she's so young. It's it's a weird thing for my brain to see her that way. Like, no, that's not Keely, but it is. It's weird. Anyway, uh, John, thoughts on film? Yeah, I had the same feeling as you. I recognized Gino Temple. I was like, is that Gino Temple? And it, it was Gino Temple, which is crazy. Yeah. But she doesn't uh, look like herself. Like, she doesn't. Well, yeah, her hair is, like, straight. Yeah, her hair is, like, very different. And it's yeah. like, is that just how all British girls look like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think she just, you know, she has, she has a look, you know, she's just, a, she's mercurial. She has a look. She has to look this way for this movie. She has to look this way for Ted Lasso. She's an actress. She's an artist. Um, 
what a gut punch ending without spoiling it for you, if you haven't seen this movie. Like, really, I, like it's the movie of the month, you're allowed to spoil it, especially we're into week three. You're allowed to spoil like it. they let you think that it's like not a happy ending, but an ending, but like you know, that there's some sort of closure. But it turns out that you know, Cersei Ronan or Vanessa Redgrave, all the characters who play that character's character actually robbed her sister and and her you know, star crossed lover, I guess, of being together. Like, one little mistake ruins it. And she's so racked with guilt that her atonement, you know, is that she actually fictionalizes them. I'll be right back. Sorry, I got to take this call. Yeah. She fictionalizes them having the happy ending as a tribute to them. And like, honestly, that got me. Like, you know, I didn't I didn't cry, but I was close. Uh, I was very, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that, that to come at the end. Uh, it was It was a lot for me. I'm cutting out, but Dean, go ahead and talk about the movie if you can hear me. Sounds good. Uh, yes, I uh, I did cry. <laughs> I definitely shed some tears at the end of this one. Um, yeah, the end of the movie is such a gut punch. Uh, just kind of broke me. You know, you see, you, you see her on stage talking about her book, talking about the book that she's written. And you, you don't feel good about it, but you, at least you're like, okay, you know, she's she's older now. She made those choices earlier to kind of fix things. And now she's had this long life of knowing that, you know, it was okay. And uh, she didn't have that, you know, she didn't have that long life. You get that kind of reveal. And I just feel bad for everybody. You know, I just feel bad for everybody in the movie. Um, and it's just, it's such a, it's such a well-made movie. The score that like Caleb mentioned, I just was absolutely loving it, loving the typewriter, ticking it along, pushing that pace forward. Um, so many cool shots. There was a great, uh, tracking shot at Dunkirk, um, just going with, uh, James McAvoy through all that, all that chaos. It was a pretty long, long cut. Um, yeah, this, I, I wasn't really expecting to absolutely love the movie. Um, so it was a nice, uh, yeah, it was a nice surprise for me, this one. Um, and it, yeah, I, I had a great time with it. Yeah, I watched this movie a couple months ago, and I adored it. Um, I think the the early romance between James McAvoy and Kira Knightley, I think it really does a great job at, like, making you care for these characters on such, like, an early point. Like, I, the, the scene where Kira Knightley, like, gets up from the fountain, and James McAvoy goes and just touches the water, because it's the closest thing he can do to touch her, it just makes you feel like, oh, man. Like, just the tension there. Uh, Shersha Ronan is outstanding at, at playing this little girl that, like, maybe her reasons aren't the most, like, malicious, but, like, you involuntarily hate because of everything she's doing. But I think she, uh, like, this is, this is maybe, like, the first, like, major role she was in. And, like, from such an early age, I think you could tell that she had the talent to be an incredible actress. Um, yeah, like Dean said, the the shots on Dunkirk are some of the most, like, gorgeous shots. Like, it, you, you look at everything nominated for Best Cinematography this year, it's one of the most, like, stacked classes in 2007. Because, like, this didn't, didn't win because it went up against There Will Be Blood, No Country for Old Men, Assassination of Jesse James. Um, yeah, and I, I love the ending. Like, I Vanessa Redgrave just completely steals your heart away at the end. Yeah, a phenomenal film. The score, like John said, with the typewriter, just, like, making you feel, like, so claustrophobic, I think is excellent. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's an incredible film. That is fair. Well, my internet is cutting out, so we're going... Or, Dean, have you already talked? 
I didn't yeah, know. I, I thought you know. had already gone. Have you not gone? Like Aaron is, Aaron oh, is, you did go. I was the only one. Aaron didn't go. go. That's right because of it's a, yeah, yeah. Because I had to go take ahead, the car Aaron. Real quick. I mean, there's not much else I can really say. I this movie is a great example of why I really like going into movies not knowing what I'm going into because I had seen Pride and Prejudice before this and it was fine. Like I just, I it was okay. Like I I admired it more than I enjoyed it. Um, and I figured this was going to be a similar type of thing. And like I said before, it reminded me a lot of the Children's Hour. I'm looking forward to seeing this down the line because right now I just hate Brioni completely. I think she's a horrible character. Like, and like, I'm like, like, yeah, like pretty close to like Children's Hour. Not quite that bad, but close. Like, and uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing and like revisiting it down the line and seeing like kind of reframing her character a little more and seeing how to like kind of, if that happens for me or if I further hate Brioni, but yeah, I mean, it's a great movie. The ending is one of my favorite endings I've seen this year too. I did not expect that at all. So, and the score was great. That is fair. Um, and what do you give it out of five? Uh, I gave it a four. Four, John? Four. Did you? Four what and Payson, four and a half. Four and a half, yeah. And Dean, five. Okay, well, we are ready to close out. Uh, so Because my internet is crapping out badly. So we're going to close up there. Thank you to Dean. Thank you to Payson. Thank you to Aaron. Thank you to John. Next week... Uh, music movies. I mistakenly said that we had a full panel. We have one spot open, so message me or Tim if you want to be on that, because um, we do have one spot open on music movies. Other than that, though, thank you to my panel. Thank you, everyone, for watching. This has been Multiplex Logdix, and we will see you next time. Have a good one. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening.